Bryce Eddy here with Liberty Station, where we are fighting hard to be a threat to the Great Reset. And today, uh, I'm very excited. We put together very quickly a, uh, a show that is going to include some of the doctors that are fighting the good fight and traveling all over the world and taking the message to the people as to what's happening here with the uh, vaccines and the continuation of this uh COVID junk science. So anyway, I'm excited to um, have these guys here and I'll let them introduce themselves and talk a little bit about what they're doing with their organization. Gentlemen, are you there? Yes, sir. Here we are. Glad to be here with you across the world. Happy to join you. All right. So um, for the audience that doesn't know who you guys are, um, talk a little bit about uh, you know each one of you and then, uh, and then lay out um, the, the project that you guys are involved in. And you guys are in Ireland right now, right? Correct. Yep. All right. Awesome. And so, so I'm, I'm Dr. Richard Urso. Um, I've been uh, in the COVID uh, space since about March of 2020. Um, got involved in uh, on the side of drug development and treatment early on uh, for a virus that uh, was uh, coronavirus. Uh, this novelty uh, idea was never to me made any sense. Uh, every virus is novel. BA5 is novel. They're all novel. So basically, we have to attack viruses. Um, you know, sometimes by mitigation, mitigating damage. So I ended up sort of going out and talking about uh, that we should treat the inflammation, we should treat the blood clotting, we should treat the respiratory compromise. Why are we not doing that? Why are we only um, uh, thinking about cures? We don't cure hypertension, but we mitigate damage from hypertension. So that was my first foray. Um, I personally had done drug design 11 years in the lab, invented an FDA approved drug, wound healing, done some tumor virus work, also low work with nanoparticles. So basically I've kind of as time has gone on, I've, I started off uh, talking primarily about drug design and development for COVID. Um, a lot of the protocols that we uh, together all came up with uh, were coalesced into what we call a multi-drug cocktail. Dr. Cole here on my left and many others, Peter McCullough and others um, contributed, uh, Didier, Didier Raul, um, uh, Zev Zelenko, uh, there's, there's, there's too many people to really count. Went to uh, Washington with Simone Gold, um, we were the first three members of America's Frontline Doctors. But we moved on to an organization that's kind of a data-driven organization, um, not so much involved in the legal side, uh, called Global COVID Summit. We're also board members of something called Unity Against COVID. Um, and right now we're in Ireland to basically kick off Global COVID Summit in Ireland. Uh, we're basically, a, we started off fragmented and individualized, and we try to bring together many groups to uh, bring our strength together. And now we can say we have 18,000. Uh, so Dr. Cole and I and uh, Robert Malone, um, Pierre Corey were the founding members of Global Code Summit. And um, we've formed now 18,000 uh, doctors and scientists uh, to basically join together to not be fragmented. We have more doctors and scientists than the FDA, the NIH, and the CDC. And we're more powerful. We uh, we we have better. Uh, um, uh, we're data driven. We're more ethical, and basically doing medicine the right way. Um, and that's kind of basically kind of a thumbnail sketch of, of where we are today here in in Ireland to join these great doctors here in Ireland. Yeah, that's amazing. Now, go, going back very quickly, I, I just had a question before I forget it. Um, you know, when they started coming out using the term novel coronavirus or novel virus, um, what do you think the purpose was in them doing that? Was that to, you know, instill fear, um, you know, kind of more of the unknown? What What are your thoughts there? Absolutely. Um I'm Dr. Ryan Cole. I'm a board-certified uh, pathologist, anatomic and clinical pathology, trained at Mayo Clinic. I have a background in PhD immunology work, um, virology. Uh, I've seen 500,000 patients diagnostically in my career. I run an independent lab. So to your question, you know, I, I knew the background of other coronaviruses, SARS, MERS. Uh, we, we knew early on how this was going to behave. And it made no sense to instill the fear. We had a perfect lab model of two ships, the Diamond Princess and the USS Roosevelt. We knew this was a disease of the elderly, not of the young and healthy. And that novel word, like you said, 
I think it was to instill the fear in the populations so people would just trust uh, the unfortunately corrupt public health systems and follow their lead instead of following the data-driven scientists. We knew, we knew early on there were treatments that would work. We knew early on that you can't vaccinate against a coronavirus. You're, you're always going to play whack-a-mole with this family of viruses. There, there isn't a successful vaccine against any family of coronaviruses because they always mutate ahead of what we do. So we, we've been data-driven since the beginning, and we've been a voice for logic, for common sense, and a voice against all the draconian measures that the world has fallen into lockstep doing together. So I'm curious, uh, so you're saying the trivalent vaccine that's coming out in October <laughs> might not be that effective? Yeah, yeah. so now, now that they're doing another experiment on humanity with shots that won't work, with a lipid nanoparticle plus a gene sequence, they, I mean, these aren't vaccines, these are gene therapy shots, and they've illegally, against all FDA rules, bypassed all the regulations to get a gene-based product onto the market in the name of a, an emergency. And so these combined ones that are coming out with this fall, BA5 will be extinct and gone by this fall, most likely, based on the pattern we saw in South Africa. Uh, Pfizer's shot of uh, the, the ancestral extinct Wuhan strain plus the BA1 extinct strain. No, they want to they want to put two extinct strains of a shot that's incredibly dangerous into the arms of humans. So yeah, you're right. Yeah, by the time traveling, things yeah, well, that I wanna... won't exist. You know, I, I'm not a I'm not a doctor, but I want to correct you on one thing. It is a vaccine, and how do I know this? Because they changed the definition in real time to make it so. Um, I'm not sure if you guys are aware of that, but uh... yeah, hyper aware of the fact that this is very <laughs> Orwellian, and and Orwell um, was a warning, not an instruction manual. So they're using it as an instruction manual. So the new speak is whatever they define something to be, to your point, it's okay. Yeah. We say it's a vaccine, even though it's not, and hasn't acted as such other, other than causing harm. And it's unsafe and ineffective. And it's been basically one of the most dangerous drugs. In fact, just to go uh, tag onto that, it is the most deadly vaccine rollout in the entire history. So we are seeing something unprecedented. We are seeing them uh, still messaging in a way that is completely a lie at this point. It's not effective. It's not safe. Um, it doesn't belong in the arm of anybody at this point. Um, you know, we are seeing something that goes to your brain, goes to your bone marrow, goes to your adrenals, goes to your ovaries. Um, it's going to cause inflammation. And guess what we found out? Not only is it causing inflammation in those ovaries, we are seeing a decrease in fertility in all the countries that are reporting in this first year. So. We are also seeing that in our in Israel, there was a huge uh, drop in sperm counts with the vaccination program, quote unquote. Um, so we think um, they're not worried about it because they say it's going to recover. Um, for anybody hoping to have a family, um, you know, they say it's going to recover. You can believe them if you want. Um, I think buyer beware. Yeah, um, it, it, we're we're. Um, following that on our show and reporting on that regularly, and we've had a number of guests that are, you know, revealing the fertility issues. Um, early on in this, there were some folks that that were um, way ahead of it, even before we were seeing that, that were calling this a um, intentional depopulation shot. Um, and I'm talking right at the beginning when everybody was celebrating, "Yay, this thing is coming out!" Um, and and of course that was, you know, called you know, conspiracy, uh, you know, they were whack jobs. I mean, all of that's coming out um, now to be true. What do you say to that? Well, you know, so you hit on a good point. Um, we knew. So basically what we know is lipid nanoparticles go everywhere. This is not this is not a 2020. This is known. If I had the data, I could show you right now. I work with lipid nanoparticles for chemotherapy. They go to the brain. This has been known for 20 years. They're preferentially love to get through the brain. They fit two tight junctions. I tell people a door crack can fit a lipid nanoparticle, but a virus needs a whole door to be open. So lipid nanoparticles are notoriously effective at getting into places where other things can't get in. And so this is a well-known fact. This is not conspiracy theory. This is this is uh, just plain good medicine. There's nothing non-scientific about this. This is this is documented in the literature multiple multiple times before 2020. The lipid nanoparticles enter the brain quite easily, and in fact, we were trying to use it to carry chemo. But unfortunately, the chemo is wiping out the bone now. So I think, you know, it's, it's not a matter of being a conspiracy theory. That's completely 
Not, that's not even a question. Everyone, every scientist that works with these particles knows this. And these scientists at these big pharma companies knew this as well. They knew the harms they would cause. And, and that's why we speak out um, to, to your question of, is it a depopulation shot? Well, it sure seems to be har harming a large amount of humanity. And the long-term effects, we don't have 10 years of, of safety data on these particular shots. But we do have years of data. We even have the, one of the, the leaders of Moderna saying, well, there's no guarantee that lipid nanoparticles will be safe uh, in, in humans. We can't guarantee that. And even the, the company out of Canada, Acuity, that makes it two of the lipids that are in these particles, it's, it says on their label clearly, not for human use, for research purposes only, yet they're sticking it in the arms of billions of people. So these are unproven, unsafe uh, known toxic substances that in the name of an emergency are being used to manipulate the minds of, well, the, the particles aren't manipulating the minds, but the, the protocols and the policies and procedures have manipulated people into thinking that they're doing something good. When in all reality, at this point, these are nothing but harm, all risk, zero benefit. And we discuss this all the time. If you add that lipid nanoparticle plus a gene sequence, it's a nuclear bomb for the human body. It is dangerous, always has been, always will be. Yeah, so, and so just to kind of reiterate what he said is inflammatory, uh, I mean, the lipid nanoparticles are known to be inflammatory. This is documented in the literature, well documented. So besides the fact that you've got a, a, a spike protein being produced, which has an, an incredible toxicity itself, the lipid nanoparticle portion of it by itself is, is a known inflammatory particle. Cat was actually going to kind of jump in, uh, add in a little bit about what it's doing to children. Yeah, so please. So I'm a family doctor in Texas, also mom of five, and I testified at the FDA hearing for children five and under because uh, we have no long-term safety data. We do know that lipid nanoparticle accumulates in the uh, ovaries and also... Um, we have evidence of myocarditis in children, evidence of Guillain-Barre seizures. And, you know, those stories, when they tell you it's mild, if it's your child that wakes up in the middle of the night, comes to you and they say they have chest pain and shortness of breath, there's nothing mild about it. This is damage to the heart muscle, and we need to take it seriously. We need to stop accepting the narrative that damage to our children is normal. And, uh, first of all, children immunity, their immune system knows exactly how to handle this. The survival rate for children, even according to their own data, is 99.98%. So to give them something that we have no long-term safety data, it's really all risk and no benefit. Yeah, yeah it defies we're, any we're, common sense. Yeah, it, it, let's all tag in on those numbers that you're for your audience. The, so the infection fatality rate for up to about age 11 is 0 0.1 per 100,000. It slightly goes up uh, from there. So we're talking about an age, uh, a, a, a group that is basically 80% have already had the vaccine. So I've uh, already had the virus. What this means is you give these kids a, vac a vaccine and they've already had the virus, many of them will get a hyperimmune response. So you're talking basically that, let's say in the 5 to 11s, it's about 28 million, so about 22 million have had the virus already. You give them a vaccine, you're going to hurt a lot of children. You are going to kill children because you didn't actually make uh, an allowance for the fact that they already have natural immunity. You're going to give a hyperimmune response. That is what's going to happen. So these lawmakers that say, hey, you don't want people to have a vaccine, you're gonna let another million people die. No, we say the policies are what kill a million people, not the disease. And the policies will kill many children if we allow these children to get vaccinated when they've already been, uh, already have immunity to COVID-19. This is a dangerous, bad medicine policy. Now, it seems that the people who are um, uh, getting um sick with coronavirus now are mostly vaccinated folks and it seems like they're suffering um much uh, more with covid than they would have otherwise or at least it seems to me can you talk a little bit about what that what the shot has been doing to their immune systems in adults you bet and you you hit the nail on the head it's done something to their immune system it has suppressed it it causes T-cell fatigue, it causes immune exhaustion, it causes all those healthy white blood cells that we would normally have circulating to fight off infections, it causes them to be suppressed. And 
children, to his point, have phenomenally strong immune systems. They fight off this virus like it's a sniffle. And why would we suppress that wonderful, natural, broad immune system with these children with a shot they don't need for a virus for the which there are no risk? But the people, to your point, this is now a pandemic of the vaccinated. The shots don't prevent you from getting the disease, from carrying the virus, from transmitting the virus, from getting sick from the disease and or from dying from the disease. Just a month or two ago in the UK, 94% of people dying from COVID had three shots. So we know it's suppressing their immune system. It's downregulating, and I could go into all the nerdy stuff about the mechanisms of all the different cell receptors. I won't, you need my PowerPoint for that. But, but the plain and simple fact, it's not just the immune system that's getting suppressed, but it's also allowing other viruses to wake up. We're seeing broad swaths of a respiratory syncytial virus that we don't see in the summertime normally. We're seeing paraechoviruses in children. We're seeing uh, all sorts of viruses out of season in these adults as well because their immune system is shot from the shots. Yeah, so in the well, tag on to that, Basically, but I think it's important data actually. So the, 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 this, what's happening is called immune imprinting. So your immune system is getting trained to fight a virus that doesn't exist anymore. So you basically are, by the time you get to the third shot, in a sense, you trained up your T cells, you trained up a group of B cells creating antibodies that, to something that doesn't exist anymore. Sometimes that's causing some uh, binding to the internal domain and actually in, increasing infection, not decreasing infection. You're actually seeing, like in children who are triple vaccinated in England, they have 136 times higher death rate, 10 to 14, 136 times death, higher death rate from all causes. So they're dying from something. But the triple vaccinated in England, where we have data all the way through May, are showing incredibly high death rates in the vaccinated children versus the unvaccinated children. So this is um, incredibly um, almost you can't even imagine that that number um, even exists and that we're still going forward with this, particularly in this younger population. But the immune imprinting is the reason why we're seeing this problem. They are creating a, which we kind of assume like as a- like putting blinders on a horse where your immune system just can't see that spike protein anymore because if you get exposed to something, I like to compare it to like, you know, if you get a, give a kid uh, allergy shots for like a peanut protein because they have a peanut allergy. What you're doing is you're eventually desensitizing their immune system so it doesn't hyperreact to that peanut protein. Well, if you keep giving somebody the spike protein shot and they keep getting it time and time and time again, their immune system says, look, I, I'm tired of this spike protein that you keep putting in my body. And it's dose dependent. The more you give, the worse the reaction becomes over time to where the immune system just becomes exhausted and says, I choose not to react to that anymore because it's causing my body too many problems. Now they're a sitting duck. They're, they're a boat without an engine, without a keel in the water. Um, and and they're, they're open to a lot of other viruses attacking them, as well as any other coronavirus that comes down the road in the future. Another variant, their immune system is, to his point, that immune imprinting, that blinding. The immune system will say, I don't know how to react to this anymore. And so what we're seeing is like a doubling of shingles. We're seeing a doubling of Bell's palsy. That's like um, the herpes zoster virus and the Epstein-Barr virus. These things are doubling. We're seeing um, many things that we would never expect to see. Uh, and, and I think just in general, um, some, of the, some of the most important things are the vaccinated people are most at risk for cancers. We're seeing a, an increase in and um, and cancers in this group, we're seeing an increase. As I said in viruses overall, even you know almost any virus, they're they're constantly sick. These this group of patients is is constantly ill with chronic uh, uh, upper respiratory infections. Yeah, so I'm I'm, I'm glad you uh, I'm glad you brought up cancer because I did have some questions about that because we've got just within our community, um, you know, just friends and people who had had, um, you know, cancer that had been in remission for years, no issues. They were, you know, healthy. And then all of a sudden, bang, dead within a few months. Um, what what do you say to that? Because that just seems crazy to me uh, to connect this to to cancer as well. So yeah. we are seeing that. I want to quickly, because Dr. Cole has a huge uh, fund of knowledge on this, but my background is in oncology also. Um, I was chief at MD Anderson in orbital oncology. I am seeing exactly what you said. I'm seeing remissions 10 years later reactivating. 
I had three patients in one, after the third booster, I literally had three patients in a month reactivated, almost all of them after 10 years. Like, I, I was shocked when I saw it. Um, I thought there was like a, you know, another boring visit. Hey, everything's great. No, three reactivations after the third booster, right? Yeah, and as a pathologist, so I diagnose cancer every day, and I was the first one in the world to bring this point up, that after the shots rolled out, I was starting to see in the laboratory an uptick in certain types of cancer. And because of that immune suppression that we mentioned already, and in addition to that, the microclotting, so cancer likes an oxygen-poor environment, so that's another mechanism. Um, additionally, there are certain receptors, pattern receptors that keep your immune system trained to fight off cancers, those are down-regulated and suppressed. In addition to that, we know the spike protein binds to, there's a gene called P53. It's a family of genes known as a tumor suppressor gene. It binds to that, and then there's another receptor on the body, BRCA, that a lot of people hear about in breast cancer and ovarian cancer. The spike protein also binds to that. So there are countless mechanisms. I could list, list, list off another dozen, but we know just those four or five mechanisms are enough to say to the cell, the cancer cell, hey, you have free reign. We as a human body can't fight you off anymore. And everywhere we go and lecture, doctors and nurses come up to us say, saying, thanks for speaking up. In our practices, we are seeing this in young patients left and right. Uh, head of oncology, we were at a, um, I was at a lecture in Florida a couple months ago. Head of oncology says, look, I've seen five brain cancers in the last month since the booster in young patients. I usually see one cancer every 10 years in a young patient. Next town over, another doc comes up to you, I've seen five kidney cancers this month. I usually see one every decade in young patients. Left and right, everywhere we go, these shots are destroying the body's ability to fight off things that it would normally fight off. Yeah, and I, I, I'm going to reiterate that. I mean, that's basically going going back to some of the papers that have been out there. So when we say these things, we're not saying them without backing of a lot of literature that says, hey, it's, it's, it's disturbing toll-like receptors uh, 7 and 8. It's, it's blocking P53, the guardian of the genomes, blocking the breast cancer gene. These are things that are well-documented in the literature, and we are actually seeing the clinical effects of that. Um, as well as probably the most powerful thing we're seeing over and over again is the clotting. Um, I have a, um, a close friend who is a physical therapist. They've had in the last six weeks, seven, a nine-year-old died of, of after 10 days after the vaccine, uh, and Dr. Cole can talk about that, but basically 17, 20, 22, 24, 27, 32, 35, and 38-year-olds dying of strokes. So it's never seen that group of young people dying of a stroke over a whole year's time, never mind over a period of six weeks, and that was after the last booster. So this yeah. is, this is wow. something we're seeing uptick in infections, upticks in cancers, and a massive upticks in vascular events. Yeah, but can you imagine how bad COVID would have been for them without all of these boosters? <laughs> See, and I mean, this is where other nations are smart. Um, in the Scandinavian nations, they stopped the mRNA shots for patients under 30. They just said, look, there's too, there's too much risk. Really, I mean, we should stop it for everybody in the world. And, and there was one seminal paper that came out about 10 days ago from the American Heart Association. This is how stupid the world has become in terms of blinding and brainwashing. The paper shows exactly how the spike protein harms the heart muscle cells. And their conclusion in the paper is COVID causes damage to the heart muscle cell, so get a shot which is a shot that makes your body make the spike protein, which is going to attack your heart muscle cells. The, the logic is absent. So that yeah, they're, they're patient, clever. Yeah. They, yeah. It's all. New yeah. Yeah, they're they're clever in their game because that what they're doing, they they then um, will just say, "Oh, the, you had COVID. That's long COVID symptoms is what we're dealing with here." You know, they they're, I mean, that this is um, I, I I can't after doing so many of these interviews and talking to so many real scientists that are not financially gaining um, because of this thing. Um, they, uh, the, it's pretty clear that there are some nefarious things going on that I believe are not just them wanting money and being beholden into big pharma. Uh, um, at this point, my, I'm concluding that there is uh, there's some real evil afoot. 
you know, um, just to speak about that, I think mean, Dr. Lindley has actually, again, testified in the under five group. Um, and Kat, I wonder if you can kind of talk about the, the absurdity of, of the passing of the vaccine in this group. So the worst thing is they really didn't look at their own data. And if you, uh, there was an FOI to ask if FDA is looking at VAERS data, and they did not look at the VAERS data either. Our VAERS data is showing 3.5 million adverse events, and we're up to 29,000 deaths. So if you're going to approve something like this in children, who as parents, as society, we are really supposed to protect them. We're not supposed to give them these experimental injections that we have no idea what's going to do to them long term. So to see that whole panel vote yes, really kind of, uh, I kind of, you know, I, I am a girl in this group, but it kind of hurt my heart. Because these are supposed to be people who are protecting children and they're not protecting children. And then the next week there was a hearing about approving boosters and I believe Dr. Offit did not vote for that one. And I saw an interview with him and he was all proud that he finally said no. And I was thinking to myself, I'm not proud of you. I'm not proud of what you've done because if you did the right thing, you actually would have voted no for children. It has, makes no sense whatsoever. And to keep on giving these children one vaccine, then booster, and um, now they're thinking about putting the MMR vaccine, the varicella vaccine, and the COVID together, and to give that to children, it's going to be a disaster. We're gonna, we have no idea what's gonna do with our future generation. And you know, I have four kids, I have four boys and, and a daughter. At some point, I would like to be grandma, and I do know that my daughter at least wants to be a mom at some point. Is she going to be able to have children? We have no idea. And my 17-year-old son who plays football, can he play football if I was to give him this? We have no clue. So as parents, I think it's very important for us to really take our power back. We have given it away to the government. We are giving it away to the education system. We are giving it away to physicians. We have given it away to everyone because it's so much easier to kind of, you know, go do your job, come home, Kids are going to be taken care of. We just pick them up from school. We don't even, I'm not saying that we don't ask for their learning, but it's very easy to go to bed at the end of the day when you're exhausted. We kind of have to step back and take that back and be responsible for our kids and simply just say no to this. I, I think you're absolutely right. We're going to take a really quick sponsor break, and then I, I want to follow up and, and get a little bit deeper on, on the issue with the kids. <laughs> It's scary times out there right now. With inflation, supply chain issues, and attacks on our currency, we are all feeling the pressure, and it seems like a recession or maybe even a real depression is on the way. What impact are we going to see on our savings and retirement accounts? Well, you may want to make gold a part of your strategy. Birch Gold Group is who I trust to help diversify a portion of your retirement or convert an old IRA or 401k out of the risky stock market and into physical precious metals. Think about this. Since before the time of King David, one asset has held its value better than anything else in the history of the world, gold, and it can help protect you now. Text LIBERTY to 989898 and get a free info kit on diversifying and protecting your savings with precious metals in a tax-sheltered account. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, countless five-star reviews, and thousands of satisfied customers, text LIBERTY to 989898 and get real help from Birch Gold today. Again, text LIBERTY to 989898 to claim your free no obligation info kit on protecting your savings with gold. Okay, now that we're back, um, I wanted to uh, talk a little bit more about the kids issue because from a um, outsider's perspective, um, you know, when we were watching some of this stuff unfold, it became, you know, super clear, you know, all of us, I mean, who are not doctors that, yeah, kids got got the sniffles. I mean, you know, I have three daughters, um, all of them, you know, got um, COVID, all of them sailed through. In fact, my youngest, you know, was uh, truly just a little tiny cold. That was it. And, you know, she was back out there in a day. Um 
So in my mind, when they were talking about, you know, this vaccine and we're going to, you know, unleash this on the public and we're going to take care of this uh, very quickly, um, you know, I think everybody was concluding that it, it wasn't necessary for kids. All of the data was out there that kids were not suffering from this. And so what opened my eyes and I think a lot of people that they just you know, put the, the pedal to the metal on, on making sure that they're going to approve this thing for kids. And then, you know, the FDA's, uh, had their hearings, um, recently here approving it for kids, all of that. Um, again, I I'm thinking that there's evil afoot here and I'm telling friends, whatever you do, don't get your kids vaccinated. Even the ones that, that kind of disagree with my position on this stuff. Um, is, was this just a, a financial play for big pharma or what are your thoughts on that? I think there's too many people compromised in government, too many people compromised in medicine, too many people that, yeah, a big part of it is pharma is just has their catchers mid out. I mean, our government is throwing money, your tax dollars and my tax dollars are going to a government that's paying pharma to harm a generation. Doesn't make any sense. And this is where as you know, I'm former military, former Air Force, it's my job to stand up for constitutional principles. We are breaking basic principles of, of common sense for one, but we're breaking laws left and right with what these agencies are doing. They suspended the Constitution with this emergency. There's no emergency in children, none whatsoever. There is no COVID emergency in children. Let kids get COVID. They were our bridge to broad herd immunity. Yeah. And and by suppressing their immune system, you, you, we don't know how for, for how long we're suppressing the immune system. We're seeing those cancers and all those other viruses and those bad things. If we do this to this generation, we may be literally physically destroying a, a generation forever. Now, I'm, I'm grateful that a lot of moms and dads high percentage are saying, mm, this doesn't make sense. We're not going to do this for the kids. And I hope they continue to stand up. We can give you all the data and science in the world. All you need to do as a parent is look and go, does this make sense? And if you're half awake, which hopefully some of the world is now waking up more, you're going to say, mm, this doesn't make sense. There's, there's no scientific logic, certainly. But when you look at these corrupt agencies, when, when you have a, an efficacy in their trials of 4%, how many kids went to the hospital in their trials? None. With COVID, with the shots, without, it didn't keep any kids out of a hospital. You know, what was their criteria? A false study showing, look, these antibodies are equivalent to this older group of people's antibodies. It must work. They didn't do any science appropriately. And in order to even get an emergency shot authorized, you have to have a 50% efficacy. These were like Moderna's and Pfizer's were down around 4%. And they're, wow. they're playing statistics games and data games. So somebody's getting a lot of money behind the scenes, no doubt. They're got, they've got to be paying off you know, a lot of people on these committees. And there's no rule saying that these FDA board members that are making these votes, once they leave government, they can get a check as big as pharma wants to give them. There is no law or rule preventing them from getting paid off once they leave that committee and leave government. So, were, were you? Uh, uh, sorry. Yeah, the, you know, the financial side of this is clearly uh, there, and I, you know, is there more there? Well, you know, it's pretty easy to look forward and say, "Hey, would you believe that we'd have social credit scores, digital currencies, uh, vaccine passports, mandates?" Is anybody who thinks that this is a conspiracy? I always kind of say um, it's it's not a conspiracy. Let's talk about data. Anybody who who hasn't heard this, who put the most fabricated study out there? Harvard, the head of Harvard CV, put the most fabricated study out there in the Lancet, one of our medical bibles. I'd love to sit here and say, you know, this is not a financial windfall for any of us. It's zero. It's actually a negative thing for us. For the other side, it's a it's billions and billions. I think the. Uh, Last year, uh, pharma, uh, uh, Pfizer alone got $27 billion. So these numbers are astronomical. Um, they're all tied in. They're the major funders of the um, uh, NIH, the CDC, and the FDA. So there's nothing here that's surprising when you just look at the financial side of the loan. And whenever you have no checks and balances, um, this corruption is going to occur in any system where there's zero checks and balances, where the cats, where the fox is watching the hen house. And the silver yeah. lining that parents are not vaccinating children and also parents are starting to question the vaccine. So actually they're doing the service to themselves with this whole rollout for the children because 
parents are not even vaccinating children for their regular vaccines now because everyone is questioning what's going on. And when you think about it, the number of vaccines that our kids get at young age is highest probably in our country than other countries. And it's really, it's becoming something that, uh, you know, I'm a family doctor, I take care of kids, I take care of families, um, but I'm also mom of five and my oldest has to get the meningococcal vaccine and I keep on postponing the, the date that I'm gonna give it to him because I'm starting to wonder what else is out there. And I think it's reasonable uh, for parents to actually start questioning. Because if our own government is not looking at their safety data and approving vaccine in our kids, that we see that there is concern, you have to start questioning everything that's happening. Yeah, absolutely. So I have a, um, a question and a, f a follow up to this. Well, it's a two part question. Um, so first, you mentioned the, the corrupt health agencies and all these agencies that that um, that have been a part of this whole thing. Were you prior to this, um, you know, pandemic and everything, were you um, aware of their corruption previously? Were you concerned about their corruption previously or did this kind of unearth that? And then the second part to that question is, I know you have a lot of friends and colleagues that are, um, you know, maybe not being paid off by pharma, but are still in the camp of, oh, yeah, we, we need to be getting these vaccines and all of this stuff. Um, t tell me a little bit about your interactions with them. And, and I know you've probably got, lost some friendships there, too. So I invented an FDA-approved drug. It's been 11 years in the lab. Um, there's a lot of good people in that industry. Um, started my research back in the 80s. Um, and I can tell you that um, it wasn't like that back then. They actually instituted a program where they allowed people at the NIH to basically, they developed a patent, they could get $150,000 a year. So it was a way to say, hey, you're a low level government employee, you came up with a great idea, but that's been corrupted into now there's 20 people on each patent. Now they, they needed to, to, they wanted to expedite some of these things. So they said, how can we get the money? Guess who gives the money for the expedition to expedite things? Pharma. So it's it's sort of like it, it started off with good intentions, but without the checks and balances there, it, it ended up it, as any system it ends up being corrupted. So I'm going to say the powerful people that are in pharma have now taken over and captured these industries that are supposed to be regulating them. So I don't think it was always like that. At least in my mind, uh, I was a young doc at that point in time and researcher. Um, I've met a lot of great people, a lot of really smart people, a lot of really kind and fine people. Um, I just think over, with time, nobody was really watching. The money has gotten astronomical. And there may be a bigger agenda. You know, you've got the World Economic Forum, BlackRock Capital. They control all the, all the things in the world. And if you want to say who controls um, the oil and gas business, it's a small group. Who controls food? It's a small group of six companies. Who controls media? It's a small group. And you look at it, it's BlackRock, Vanguard very much a state street capital at the top of the pyramid. So, you know, there's ties in there. Um, that's not, you know, we're not investigative journalists. We know the med this is bad medicine, and that's easy for us to say. And to your second question, you know, our colleagues, I, we have lots of doctors that are fantastic physicians, but they're stuck in these systems. They're stuck with kids in college. Hey, I have kids in college. I bet, luckily, I went independent 20 years ago. And... I'm willing to speak out because it's the right thing to do. Have I lost insurance contracts? You bet. Have I lost clients? You bet. Have I lost friends? You bet. Am I going to continue to lose on behalf of humanity winning? You bet. I don't want anyone harmed. And so I, I feel for many of our colleagues approach us and say, hey, thanks for speaking out. Thanks for doing what you're doing. We wish we could do it. And I look at them and I say, well, you can do it. And they say, well, gosh, I'll lose this or I'll get my license attacked, et cetera. And I say, huh, all the things that have happened to us, but why are some people courageous and some people not? I, I don't know, but it's not that they don't care. There are a lot of good doctors stuck in these systems. The problem is when everything consolidated under the ACA, under Obamacare, the hospitals gobbled up all the independents. Now yep. you're forced into groupthink and that critical thinking of a medical profession has died. And now everything is protocol driven and procedure driven. And if you don't follow the boss, then the administrator fires you. The administrator says, well, Fauci and the NIH say, do this, and we get big money if we do this, so you're gonna do this. And if you step out of our protocol, 
we lose money. So you're going to do what we the So now we have the corporate practice of medicine. We have administrators practicing medicine without a license, following agencies that we've never taken directives from the NIH, CDC, or FDA to practice medicine in the history of our careers. They're advisory agencies. They don't dictate what treatments are or aren't given. So this absurdity to where we have arrived is completely nonsensical. But it's, I, I, I always like to quote Mark Twain, the man who does not read has no advantage over the man who cannot read. And we have an entire profession of colleagues that won't read and look at the harms and all the data that we're presenting. They won't look at it. They're just blinders on. They don't want to know. They just want to say, hey, I'm doing my job. I'm getting a paycheck. And yeah. to the detriment of humanity. Yeah, that's so yeah. well said. I think to kind of summarize what I felt like, what I felt strongest about was the fact that 74% of the docs are, are, are actually now working for somebody else. It's made them unable to speak out, and it's made them, actually, as, as Dr. Cole just said, not even wanting to look at the data, because now they've told people to get vaccinated, and they don't want to hear that they actually might have sent somebody to death. So this is, this is hard information for a doctor to hear. I actually have a much easier time talking to engineers because they're very data-driven, information-driven, and critical thinker-driven. Um, it's very easy to talk to engineers and have these conversations. We go through the data. Um, it's been a very gentle conversation most of the time. Um, with docs, um, we've had a, a lot of our colleagues that um, have really turned a blind eye. Um, and so, as, as, as Dr. Cole just said, one of the beauties of being here in Ireland is meeting others that want to basically help humanity. They want to do it. And we basically formed this group, Global COVID Summit, in response to what was the fragmentation in, in us and amongst all the people that were speaking out. We were having fragmented uh, groups that were, they were coming back on us. So we are trying to get other physicians and other people and lawyers and everyone else to kind of join together and, and help fight, like you're doing on your show. You were one of the people you said who's going to fight back against the system. That is what we believe. That's what we feel is the best thing for humanity. And, and we put this on a nice level. Um, Dr. Cole does a great job of this. We're doing this for humanity. Um, I don't know. I just love the way you say that stuff. Can you kind of go into where, where is the philosophy of what we're trying to do? At the end of the day, we have a moral and ethical obligation. We took an oath. The sacred oath we took as physicians is that relationship one-on-one -on -one with the patient. It's sacred, that Hippocratic oath. Everything we do is to it should be for the good of the patient. If there's something harmful, we don't recommend that to our patients. We go into medicine with that heart for the heart of humanity. And at the end of the day, to see a profession stepping away from that sacred oath, we're trying to bring the physicians of the world back together. We form declarations to the world saying, look, we the physicians loyal to the Hippocratic oath that's who we are as a group of 18,000 doctors and medical scientists around the world, of the world. We are loyal to that oath because if you do the right thing the right way for the right reason, you're going to make a comfortable living. If you're doing it for the money, now you're driven by the money and not by the morality, the ethics, and that patient in front of you. Anybody that goes into it for the money is in medicine for the wrong reason. And to see a beautiful, noble profession corrupted by graft, corrupted by greed, corrupted by avarice, corrupted by an unwillingness to open one's mind and critically think and look at data. And, and look, plenty of docs about halfway through all of this have said, wait a minute. And so it's, it's a comforting experience every now and then as we do these meetings around the world to see them wake up and go, you know what? I thought you guys were crazy. Now that I've looked at it, I realize you're right. Now, to Dr. Urso's point, it's very difficult to say I may have been giving recommendations that could have been harmful. But people are waking up. And what you're doing is critical. What we're doing is critical. What it has to be grassroots. Everybody has to push a little by to be involved because there's a human being on the end of everything we're doing, everything you're doing. And I want to live in a better world, but I don't want a great reset. I mean, what we need to reset is the hearts of humanity, not these big Amen. financial gains. We need to reset people back into 
I love my fellow human being and I am going to do what's good for them. I don't care about the money. What I care about is the goodness of humanity. And that's what we're seeing right now is like, what I, the last statement was an important one. We're seeing doctors going in and say, hey, we're gonna do something for the community. That's never happened before. When you go into a, a, a doctor's office, you hope that doctor has you in mind and you personally in mind. He's not saying, hey, I'm gonna vaccinate you for the community. No, that's, that's, we've never had, it's always been the doctor-patient relationship, one-on-one. It's never, hey, you are gonna have a vaccine because it's good for the community. And I'm gonna take this step back. And I just I kind of came back in the view. But uh, one thing that uh, Richard just said, doing things for, for the community and not taking personal decision of your own life, actually something that happens in communism happens in totalitarian regimes and that's how they get you you need to do it for the good of the others forget yep. about what's good for you and your family you need to do it for the good of the others and they ha- that's how they hook us on these things and that's how everything started it started with the fear started with isolation and then you need to do this for grandma and grandpa you need to do it for your co-workers you need to do it for this one you need to do it for that one but they've taken away our individuality and there's nothing wrong with actually taking charge of your own life and owning your own life and actually saying, I'm going to do what's best for me and my family. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> well, you, you guys are um, the tip of the spear. And I know that when you are out in front on these things, you're, um, you're the ones that get attacked. You're the ones that, that um, you know, suffer great loss, um, you know, especially, I mean, some of you reputationally at the beginning of this. Um, but I'm encouraged to see others start to join you. And it, and it won't take that many more doctors to stand up before that tide, you know, starts to turn. So I'm, I'm so encouraged to see your courage and what you're all doing with the um, uh, Unity Against COVID group. Um, how can we support you? How can our audience support you? Um, you know, I, I know that this, again, comes at great cost and there's expenses to you guys, you know, running around the world and, and you know, getting, getting people on board. Um, tell us a little bit of how, uh, how we support you. So um, you can text to 202-858-1233 and text GCS Ireland. Or we also have a website, givebutter.com. So give B-U-T-T-E-R.com backslash APSOV3 backslash donate. And we'll give you this uh, link so maybe you can uh, put them on your website. yeah, we'll post it in the show notes, and and we'll make sure that uh, that everybody knows where to go. Um, because yeah, my my request to the audience um, is to yes yeah, support you guys in in whatever way you can, even if it's a, a small donation. Um, because you are doing this at great cost, you're not becoming wealthy um, in this process. You're you're making your ends meet, hopefully. Um, and I, I, I know enough of you all, um, you know, personally in this fight and I know how much people have lost and, um, you know, just how, how destructive it's been, you know, to everything around you trying to fight because you've got the headwinds of all of these people that don't want you to speak out and don't want doctors to be waking up um, because you're in a trusted position and if all of a sudden more doctors are coming out and saying wait a minute don't don't get this shot it ruins their game and their grift all right so we we uh we lost you guys there quickly um but we're gonna put everything in the show notes um and we're gonna make sure everybody knows where to go to support you um, you guys have done um, so much courageous uh, work here. Um, what are the final in the the last two minutes here? Um, you know, what are the final things you want to say to our audience and and um, all of that? Yeah, we'll go down the road. I say, don't forget that life is a beautiful thing. You're here to live it. You're a sovereign human. Stand up for your individual freedoms and rights. Be kind. Be loving to everyone around you. We're not here to judge people that have done things one way or another, but we are here to say there's a better way, and we all need to pursue that better way, make the world around us a better place, but it starts with that individual right and the individual responsibility. And, and I'll, I'll add that this has been a, a collaborated, coordinated attempt 
to create something that is actually not medically necessary. And that's led to, as I said before earlier, the policies are what, what led to a million deaths in the United States, not the, not the disease itself. <clears throat> there are people there, we are some of, the, some of them, who actually are giving out the data. Our Global COVID Summit, Unity Against COVID, we are all trying, FLCCC, some other groups, we're all trying to bring the data and we have doctors and scientists that are actually presenting the data well. So what Ryan said is, is, is beautiful. We, we are individual rights. <clears throat> Kat um, will then, uh, she has something beautiful that she says, and I'm gonna let her finish. All right. So for, you know, I grew up in communism. I grew up not having a voice, and I truly understand what it means not to have freedom. One thing I've realized in past uh, few months is that actually they did not take our, away our freedom. We have given it away. Every time we said uh, yes to masks, to six feet apart, to vaccines, to boosters, every single time we have given our own freedom away, our, our, our own power away. It's really time to take it back. It's time to say, you know what, I've given you all this time to get, you know, your thoughts together, but definitely you, you, you're just harming our family and our way of life. And we need to remember that United States especially, it's, it's, it's a, an idea, an idea that all people are created equal and free. And we need to make sure that we maintain that idea. We cannot give up on it because America is a beacon of hope and, and light to the rest of the world. And we as Americans, especially, you know, we're here in Ireland right now creating this Irish uh, Global COVID Summit chapter to actually stand shoulder to shoulder with our colleagues and tell them we're here with you. We're here to give you courage and hope that we can all do this together. And the only way we defeat this, whatever it is, is together. Amen. We can do <laughs> yeah. So, amen. Well, okay. listen, thank you. Yeah, thank you, Dr. Lindley, Dr. Urso, Dr. Cole. This was awesome. You guys are absolutely right. This is a battle for sovereignty um, at the individual level, all the way up to you know the the our countries and everything else are under attack. And um, I appreciate all the work that you're doing in this fight. So thank you for joining us on the show. It's an thank honor. Thank you so much. Thanks thank for you. your your part in the fight with us. So thank you. We're honor, honored to be with you. Thank you. All right. Take care. All right. Thank you for joining us on Liberty Station. Hope you enjoyed the show. Please subscribe to our show on Rumble, Liftable TV, or Spotify. Also, click in the upper right-hand corner of your podcast app to follow us and help us grow the show by texting these episodes to your friends.